how do we overcome self-defeating behaviors and attitudes that put a ceiling on us all and doesn't allow us our true greatness the first thing we need to do is identify that we have put a ceiling on ourselves this can be very hard for most people and the reason this is is that most people don't take any form of responsibility for their internal dialogue that cheats them of their greatness this internal dialogue is very manipulating it's deceiving it will put a person in the hands of external forces like making comments such as I couldn't do this because of this and it was this person that didn't allow me to become great in my life or it was this situation that stopped me from becoming who I really wanted to be. The obstacles are evident in people's lives who don't take any stock of their true power. In 1989, I was gifted and blessed to be put in a situation which I despised. I came from an environment which worked for me like a glove. I was angry. I was resentful. I was bitter. I blame the world and every single incident that I created for my circumstances and the world supported all these negative emotions within me that was keeping me locked in my own prison. I hit a rehab in that year. I didn't go to this rehab out of any form of change I didn't think that I needed to change I was quite okay being the asshole I was but I wasn't happy I was miserable I hated my life and as a consequence I hated myself hating myself was the biggest shortcoming of my life. In the environment of this rehabilitation centre, I was confronted from sun up to sun down on my behaviours, on my attitudes, and how I was conducting myself in a therapeutic community. I didn't understand the dynamics of a therapeutic community at that point and stage of my life. But what I did understand is the pain I was feeling 
from these other residents' observations of what I was and who I was. And at that point in stage, it wasn't pretty. These people were the best teachers in my life. If it wasn't for the courage that these people displayed, I wouldn't be where I am today, nor would have I had the fantastic journey of arriving here. They had the courage to stand up to the anger. They were not threatened nor intimidated by my weak soul. This weak soul actually was a soul that was screaming to be loved, to be cared for, to be nurtured. But I wasn't worthy of it because of the hate that I had for myself. Not liking myself emitted out of my soul for other people not to like me. After eight weeks of this confrontation of how I was behaving within this structure of the therapeutic community, I was given a note from the higher levels of the rehabilitation centre. These people had gone through the lower levels that I was experiencing. And this note said, where do I get off on threatening and intimidating other human beings? A rather simple answer based on how many times I was confronted with such a, a request for me to answer, I had had enough and this turned into an outburst similar to pressure being put on something that was going to explode or needed a valve to release, I could not cope with small talk. The lower self of who I was, was a reflection in my inadequacies, such as this. I exploded, as I had done on many occasions in my life, and I went up to a, an oak tree and with all my resentment and my anger and my own frustrations, I started punching this oak tree like a punching bag. Lefts, rights, lefts, rights, uppercuts, lefts, right. Dancing around this thing like I was in a boxing ring 
fighting an opponent. After this, I raced back to where, I, where we had the works department and it was a big ditch. We were putting in sewer pipes and I started throwing the sewer pipes that had been laid in the ditches with the hose and the picks and the shovels. And then I jumped a fence into the farm next door and there was an old tractor there and I started punching the steel tractor, the same as the oak tree. There was blood all over the tractor and there was blood all over me. And the words just kept coming out of my mouth. I am sick to death of being controlled. And I am sick to death of institutions, be that prison or be that a therapeutic community. I was screaming to be released. Not released, looking back now in retrospect, from these internal walls within me but also released from the walls that I created that were around me. Through my attitude, I actually put limits on who I was. I didn't know this completely at this point and stage of my life. After this outburst, a high-ranking resident came up to me while I was flat out on the ground, sobbing uncontrollably. I couldn't control the emotions coming out of me. It was like I was having some kind of exorcist and my body was shaking and I was hyperventilating. I was covered in blood. I had tears around my face, which rolled down onto the grass and dirt, which looked like a small puddle around my head. I'd cried that much. And the guy put his arm on my body and said, it's okay, Dean. As my chest and stomach was trying to reach the sky and the sun, it was bouncing so much within my soul. After half an hour to 40 minutes, he finally helped me up off the ground and walked me over to a villa. And he said, Dean, have a shower and then have a sleep. You need it. You're going to be exhausted after this. 
I did have that shower. And then I did go to bed. It would have been five o'clock in the afternoon. I woke up from a bright light that came to me within my soul. I woke up fast and I sat upright immediately and I looked around the room and I could hear the whirl of the fan above and hear the breaths of the other residents sleeping in the beds around me. I immediately went back to sleep. The next morning, I awoke and had breakfast. The first thing that became apparent to me is that I felt light. In all my crazy days of being incarcerated in boys' homes since the age of 12 to the, and prisons to the age of 27, I had never felt this light. I identified this lightness as a vulnerability from all the emotions that came out of my body. And I liked it. I enjoyed it more than feeling angry. And I knew at this stage in my life that all I had to do to stay in this framework was to keep talking about my fears and keep talking about not liking myself and exploring my past and how I felt. And one thing that was very powerful in my awakening was that this rehabilitation centre made residents very aware not to blame people for their actions, behaviours and attitudes. They would give you feeling charts that the residents had to identify how they felt instead of blaming other people for the way we felt. This became extremely powerful. I started using a lot of I feel this or I feel scared, I feel inadequate, I feel happy, I feel sad, I feel angry, I feel love, I feel cared for, I feel threatened. 
these words were freeing me every time I would express them from incidences that occurred in this community. I had to go back to court for a hundred charges or more that I had to deal with prior to going to this therapeutic community. My day was coming up. The prosecution gave me a date in the district court in Brisbane, Australia to appear before a judge named Justice Maguire. That morning, on a train travelling into Brisbane, I was with two residences who came along as support. We arrive in Brisbane and travel to my barrister's chambers. I explained to him what I had learned in the rehabilitation centre about I never ever took any responsibility prior to going to this rehabilitation centre and how I was a liar, a manipulator, I was self-centred, I couldn't be trusted, I was a drug addict and I hated myself and I hated police prior to this and I hated prison officers and I hated the judicial system. I went on with this guy explaining in detail of what I had overcome within this therapeutic community. And by the time we landed in the courtroom, this guy was convinced that I had genuinely changed. He made me aware before we left his chambers that he had spoken to thousands of defendants prior to me and my story was the most sincere he had ever heard. This travelled when he was asked to speak on my behalf in the courtroom. He spoke for 30 minutes before Maguire pulled him up through his summing up of why I shouldn't go back to jail. And Maguire directly said to him, Sir, surely you're not asking for a non-custodial sentence based on this defendant's history, which is absolutely appalling. He is so close to becoming an habitual criminal, which would give the court the power to give him the key and that was at Her Majesty's pleasure 
and the shortest amount of time anybody has spent with that sentence is 10 years till that date. Yes, Mr. Maguire was his response. Maguire shook his head and he made him aware that it is quite clear that you have got a good feel for the case. But the question is, sir, not is this person going to get a non-custodial sentence, but how long do I send him back to prison for? Maguire also made me aware if I was as genuine as my barrister's plea for my leniency based on the change that I had made, I will now understand that in society there is consequences for one's actions and I will accept the consequences as such and I will go away and serve the consequences for my actions and then after that I will continue on as understanding this. A good call and a fair call and I did that. I was out within 14 months. I went back to the rehabilitation centre, which I was bailed there prior to going. And I finished the rehabilitation at the centre, which was called Logan House. The percentages of anybody graduating from that program was 0.2%. This program was tough. It was the toughest thing I had ever endured in my 27 years on this earth. But also, it was the most rewarding experience I had been through at that stage. I knew through my newfound openness that I could become anything in my life. The world was my oyster from here. As long as I didn't blame other people or circumstances or incidences where it was going to disempower me and keep me vulnerable like I used to be prior to going to Logan House and I didn't realise I didn't I didn't know how to deal with vulnerability. So anger was the next emotion that I used to cope. Thank you.